Thanks, Nick, and good morning, and good morning to everyone watching on the live stream at home. Well, you might have heard this week that Sir David Attenborough became the first person to break Jennifer Aniston's world record for the fastest time to reach a million followers on Instagram. He did that in just four hours and 44 minutes after setting up his new Instagram account. Does anyone here, has anyone else given David a little follow on Instagram already? Looks like Amy has uh, one in a million, Amy, well done. Uh, David and David Attenborough, his first message to the Instagram fam uh, on Thursday was a warning. He said he, well, he, wrote, he did a little video actually, um, so you might maybe want to watch it. He, he said, I'm making this move and exploring this new way of communication to me because as we all know, the world is in trouble. Continents are on fire, glaciers are melting, the list goes on and on. Saving our planet is now a communications challenge. Well, rewind 2,500 years and a man called Nehemiah, cupbearer to King Artaxerxes of Persia, goes out alone to inspect the walls of Jerusalem in Judah in the dead of night. And he says something similar as we've just heard in our reading today. You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Nehemiah, though, doesn't see this as a communications challenge to fix. No, he has a different solution. He says, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. And this autumn, we're going through the book of Nehemiah together as a church family on Sundays and also lots of us in our cell groups during the week as well. And the book of Nehemiah, it's one of the last history books of the Old Testament, even though it kind of, you find it halfway through the Old Testament, it's one of the last the history books. And it follows the story of the Jewish remnant who have been in exile for 70 years in Babylon and now they return to the city of Jerusalem, home of the Jewish temple, God's dwelling place on earth, to find it in ruins and needing rebuilding. And we're exploring this call to rebuild and what it means for us as the people of God today when the world around us is in a little bit of a mess as well. As followers of Jesus, what does it mean for us to rebuild? So let's pray as we come to today's passage. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning and we thank you that you speak through it. And so we pray, give us ears to hear what you want to say to us as a church family this morning through Nehemiah's story and through the story which you call us into. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you weren't here last week, Charlie started off our series painting the big picture of the book of Nehemiah, where it fits within the overarching narrative of the Bible and of our story as Christians. And we look together at chapter one, where, where Nehemiah first hears the news of uh, what's happened in Jerusalem, that it's all a bit of a mess there. And so he approaches King Artaxerxes and he asks his permission to go back to Jerusalem to oversee the rebuilding of the city. And as we've just seen in chapter two in our reading, Nehemiah returns to Jerusalem and he finds it in ruin and rubbles. And he feels the disgrace, he feels the shame of the city. He feels what it must look like to an outsider. It must, kind of, for someone who isn't familiar with it, they must see Jerusalem and think, gosh, God's abandoned his people. God's abandoned the place where he promised to dwell with his people. 
and perhaps to an outsider today when they look at the church and when they look at us, it might, they might think God's abandoned us. When we look around at the state of our city, our world, when we uh, see the rubble and ruins of a global pandemic, of a climate crisis, of everything else that's happened in the last few months, we might even wonder ourselves sometimes if that's the case. Where has God been in all of the suffering, in all of the ruined plans and the hopes and the dreams which have turned to rubble? Our world is in trouble. It's broken and people are feeling burnt by what's happened over this last year. But Nehemiah is a story about rebuilding. And just as God himself was behind the rebuilding of the city walls in Jerusalem in this book, just as he provided for the work then, so he does today. So he calls us to rebuild today, even as the world around us beds down and stops and, and waits kind of on the edge of another lockdown, God calls us to rebuild. The difference being from the book of Nehemiah that as we explore this call to rebuild today, we're not talking about building walls to keep our enemies out anymore, but we're talking about building a church without walls. We're talking about building and extending the kingdom of God here on earth as in heaven. And we're talking about bringing more and more people into the rebuilding of a world in which God's name is honored. Bringing people into this world where God's presence dwells richly among us. Where we're led by his spirit as children of God and where justice reigns. And we build this together even as we look forward to the time and we wait for the time when all things will be made new and that time when God's kingdom will come and will be made restored in its fullness. And so as we look at chapters three and four of Nehemiah today, this morning we're going to see that we've all got a part to play in the rebuilding and secondly we're going to see what we do when we face opposition to the rebuilding. But firstly we've all got a part to play in the rebuilding if you've got your Bibles with you, then look down to chapter 3. Some of it's going to be coming up on the screen in a moment. And in chapter 3, you'll see uh, what looks like a really, really long list of... Uh, it's, <laughs> at first glance, it doesn't look that interesting. It's a list of all of the names of people who build all of the different sections of the wall around Jerusalem. And it gives, goes into a bit of detail which bit of the wall uh, which person rebuilt. And you might kind of think, why is, why is this... Why is this list in here? Like, really, uh, it kind of, it, no wonder people think that the Bible's not always that relevant for us today when we see long lists of names like this. What are we supposed to do with them? Well, Nehemiah was reporting back to the king on his progress, on the work that he was doing, and so he had to keep accurate records to be accountable to what was going on. And so for him, this list of names was pretty important to keep track of. But I think that more than that for us today, why, why it's in the Bible and why it has relevance for us as followers of Jesus today is because this list of people's names shows us that each person is significant. Each person matters, each one of us, in the building of the kingdom of God, in the work which God calls us to. We've all got a part to play in extending the kingdom of God. If you look down to your Bibles or look on the screen, we're going to go through a few of the people named here. 
We start with the priests at the sheep gate in verse 1 of chapter 3. A bit further along the wall, we have Uziel, the goldsmith, rebuilding a section. Then next to him, we have Hananiah, the perfume maker, rebuilding a section of the wall. Further around, we have in verse 12, Shalom, son of Halahesh. He repairs the next section with the help of his daughters. Yes, even women are part of the rebuilding of the wall. They're not named. Nehemiah's not perfect here, but it's awesome that the women are involved in the rebuilding. Merimuth, son of Uriah, is the overachiever of the list. He uh, rebuilds one section near the start of the list, and then he finishes with time to spare, apparently, so he kind of goes on down, finds another section of the wall to rebuild later on in verse 21. And you can see that many people just rebuild the section of the wall that's in front of their house. And their neighbor rebuilds the section of the wall that's in front of their house next to them it says next to them and so on and so on until we come full circle in verse 32 with the goldsmiths and the merchants making repairs between the room above the corner whatever room that was apparently significant between the room above the corner and the sheep gate which if you remember is where the priests first started the rebuilding and this list of people brings together individuals from all kinds of backgrounds all kinds of family units, they have all kinds of skills, giftings, jobs from all kinds of locations and callings. And each person has influence and agency in the rebuilding of the wall to restore and to bring back to life what's in front of them. And they work together, don't they? They work alongside each other, next to them, next to them, unity and diversity, skilled next to unskilled, perfume maker next to priest. It's a brilliant picture of how we, as the church, as followers of Jesus, as the body of Christ, are called to build the kingdom of God today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes about how God has placed all of the different parts of the body, that's the body of Christ, he's placed all of the different parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You're where you are because that's where God wants you to be. The body of Christ, the church, it only works when we work together, though. All of the parts of the body, all of the different parts, the different skills, the different callings, the different giftings, working together with the unique skills and temperaments and statuses and callings that God's given each one of us, working together to build and to extend his kingdom on earth as in heaven. Well, what might that look like in practice for us in this season well, what's in front of you that needs rebuilding? John Tyson, who's the pastor of a church in New York, recently said about the COVID-19 pandemic, we know everything about that which we can do nothing about, but almost nothing about that which we can do everything about. We know everything about that which we can do nothing about, but almost nothing about that which we can do everything about. We know what's going on halfway around the world at the click of a button on our phones, don't we? But do I actually know what's going on on my own doorstep? Have I checked in lately with my next door neighbor who was looking after several family members who are pretty ill over lockdown? Do I know how she's getting on? Do I know how that friend's doing who has been struggling with anxiety following the latest announcements from the government this week? 
Am I supporting them? What's in front of you? What's within your sphere of influence, that area, that space where you can have an impact to rebuild and extend the kingdom of God? How could you support or love your neighbor this week? Who could you give time to sit with and to encourage and to speak life over? How might you invest your time or your money or your skills, those things which you're good at? It's here at St. Mark's, there's loads of ways which you can do that. There's loads of ways which you can offer your unique skills and giftings and ways which you can join in with the rebuilding here. We've got youth team, welcome team, production team, food bank, and kind of anything else. Kind of come to us, tell us what you want to do. All of these things, building the kingdom of God in different ways. We don't necessarily get to see the big picture of how Jesus is building up his church or building the kingdom around the world, or even we don't see everything that's going on here in our city. But we can be faithful with what's in front of us. As God invites us to play our part in the rebuilding. What's in front of you? And who's next to you? Who's alongside you? Have you got people who'll support and encourage you in this kingdom building, who'll have different insights, different perspectives, just wisdom to offer? And particularly when you're feeling ill-equipped or when you're feeling like you're not capable of, of doing what it is that you're trying to do. And who are you coming alongside to cheer on, to support with your unique skills, your experiences, your giftings? Where can you add value to someone else's kingdom building? The body of Christ, unity and diversity. We've all got a part to play in the rebuilding here and now, and we work best when we work together. But when we're doing God's work, opposition is inevitable, right? And we come back down to an earth with a bump when we get to chapter four of Nehemiah. Because... In chapter four, at least the start of it, we're not going to go all the way through. Uh, we're only looking at the first few verses here. But in chapter four, you see the builders of the wall are mocked. And they're ridiculed by these two men, Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite. We kind of think, okay, fine, these guys are sort of having a bit of a laugh at the, the builder's expense. But it's not just that they're mocked kind of with a few words. These guys literally wheel out the whole army of Samaria and plant them just over the way from where the builders are building their wall. And this whole army of people are watching, laughing, mocking, taunting. How small would you feel building your little section of the wall if you've got an army over the other way laughing at you? And the reason why Sanballat and Tobiah do this is really just because they themselves feel intimidated by the rebuilding. And so they, they retaliate. Nehemiah's appointment by the king to oversee the restoration of Jerusalem disrupts the political balance of the region. It was Sanballat who would have previously had responsibility for the city and would have previously come under jurisdiction. So Nehemiah has kind of just totally disrupted his plans, his personal political goals. And so he lashes out here. He, he lashes out to undermine to attack, to discourage everyone involved in the rebuilding. And we're going to think about how we respond to opposition some more in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, it's a theme which kind of is kind of running through Nehemiah, how we respond to opposition. And so I don't want to steal Nick's thunder too much as he's going to be speaking on that in a couple of weeks. But 
it's worth saying now with this section which we're looking at that the enemy, the devil, he loves to discourage us as we're doing kingdom work. Look at all of the ways that Sanballat does it here to the builders as they're pouring all of their energy into the world. They're working so hard on this thing which they feel God's called them to. It's, it's so mean of Sanballat, kind of so spiteful, the questions which he asks to unsettle them, to make them question what they're doing. Verse 2, what are those feeble Jews doing? He attacks their qualities. Will they restore their wall? He derides their ambitions. Will they finish in a day? He mocks their optimism and their, crushes their enthusiasm. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? He undermines their confidence and magnifies their problems. Does any of that kind of questioning sound familiar? Have you ever felt discouraged as you've been working away on something which you've been so convinced was the right thing to do, something that you were so convinced God was behind? And actually questions have started to creep in and you've started to feel a little bit discouraged, like perhaps you weren't actually the right fit for that role or that task or that thing which you thought God was calling you to do. Perhaps you bit off more than you could chew. Perhaps it'd be easier if you just took a step back and left it for someone else to take over. I'm sure all of us have had those thoughts or felt like that at times. I think I've possibly felt it more than ever over these last few months. The enemy getting a hold of my insecurities, to discourage, to undermine, to make me question what I'm doing, to make me question who God's made me to be, to make me question my calling, my gifts, my ambitions, my dreams. And I think that for me, that's partly been because I've had in this season so much more space to be in my own head, uh, in isolated in lockdown, and so much less opportunity to remember who's next to me. And I've lost sight of that perspective of the body of Christ coming alongside me, who's alongside me, the people who I'd lean on in those times of wobbling. Because we work best when we work together as the church. We're not meant to do it in isolation, even if we're in our own homes, even if we're feeling isolated. We work best when we work together as the church. But alone or together, Nehemiah in chapter 4 offers us an example of what to do when we face opposition and when we feel discouraged in the work that we're doing for God. Prayer is crucial. I mean, we could have done a whole sermon just on verses 4 and 5 here of Nehemiah's prayer, how he responds uh, to this opposition which he's facing it's a heartbreaking cry for justice in response to something which threatens to undermine God's work and the rebuilding which Nehemiah knows he's been called to do by God. He prays, hear us, God, for we are despised. But this prayer is also a little bit uncomfortable for us reading it today. As we, as we read on, Nehemiah prays, turn their insults back on their heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Like, is that even okay to pray anymore? Is, is that something which we should pray? We shouldn't because it's in the Bible. We shouldn't pray. Uh, what do we do with that? What do we do with kind of these, these prayers when they're so violent, apparently? 
Maybe you've come across similar ones in the Psalms. There's quite a few of them there, and you've not really known what to do with them. Uh, and so you kind of quickly skipped on to, to find the next Psalm, which feels a little bit more kosher to pray through. But as we read this prayer, and as we read this honest, gritty, raw, anguished cry for justice through the lens of the New Testament and through the lens of Jesus as the true Nehemiah, we know that when Nehemiah cried out to God, do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. We know that Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Jesus does cover over our guilt and he does blot out all of our sins. And yes, he, he tells us to keep crying out for justice until we see it, to pray with perseverance when we face opposition in this world. And when we see injustices happening, of course we're to pray. Of course we're to cry out and to bring those things to God. But he also tells us to pray for those who persecute us. To pray that they too would be brought into the kingdom of God pray that they too would be brought into this rebuilding work which we've been made a part of not not by our own merit but because of what Jesus has done for us we all have a part to play in the rebuilding including those who are not yet in it and so today in this season, in this time of uncertainty and working from home and everything else which has changed and is up in the air, what's in front of you? There's something in front of each one of us. What's in front of you? And who's next to you? Who's alongside you in this rebuilding work which God calls us to do in this time, in this place, in this season? Why don't we stand together and pray before we close with a final song? Father God, we thank you that you are with us. By your spirit, we're never apart from you, Lord, and we, we pray that as you build your kingdom here on earth, we want to be a part of it, God. We want to be a part of what you're doing. We want to play our part in the rebuilding. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that where we've been sitting back, where we've been spectators, where we've been watching, Lord, would you call us forward this morning? Would you call us into what the work which you have for us? Even now, Lord, we pray that you'd kind of drop uh, visions, drop ideas, drop uh, things which you're calling us to, things that are in front of us, people in our neighborhoods, people who are next to us. We pray for an equipping this morning. We pray that you'd fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit for the work which you call us to. Maybe you want to put your hands out as a sign of being open to that equipping, that refreshing of the spirit today, for the work which God calls us to. Equip us, Lord. We don't, we don't go into this alone. 
We want to be strengthened by you this morning. And Lord, we pray where we're feeling discouraged. We pray where we're feeling doubtful of the call which you placed on our lives, of the things which we're doing. Lord, help us to come to you. Help us to bring the prayers of our hearts honestly, to lay them at the foot of the cross and to remember what you've done for us. We lean into you today, God, and we ask for your strengthening, for your equipping, for the rebuilding. Give us vision for what you call us to rebuild in this season as a church, as a church family, Lord. Where are you calling us? What are you calling us to build? Knit us together. Let not one of us do this by ourselves, but let us do it alongside each other. Bring to mind now even people we can be supporting, people we can come alongside to play our part in the rebuilding. Come, Lord Jesus. Use us. We're here. We want to be a part of what you're doing in this world around us in this time. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.